Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for today. Thank you for this time we have. And I know that every person here, whether they're in person or online joining us at home, God, they're here for a reason. They need to hear your hope. And so, God, as we open your word, we pray that any distractions that, Lord, would be on our minds, that would be just taken away and let us sit at your feet and hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, and if you're just jumping in, joining us, we are in the middle of a series called Influence. Influence, and basically, here's the reality. There are influencers out there, people that are on YouTube, TikTok, you name it, and they have such a following that they can influence the way sometimes society thinks and some trends. And in fact, people, companies will pay them sometimes to promote or influence others to buy their products. Believe it or not, you are not only influenced by others, but you are a serious influencer. Think of the people that you have the power, and you're like, that's pretty dangerous, the power to influence what they believe, what they think, how they act, what they eat, where they go. I mean, if you're a parent, you know this, but I don't care who you are. You have neighbors, you have people watching you, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have people that you influence. And what we want to do is make sure that we influence, when we influence, we do it well. Today we're going to talk about how and who we represent as we influence. And sometimes when we come up with sermon series and we pray about this and we talk as a staff, sometimes we'll lay them out there. And I bet, maybe you haven't said this to us, but I bet you're like, did y'all just make that up? Of course not. This is all biblical. We get this from the Bible. In fact, if you're new to St. John, we love God's word. And you're going to find that every Sunday we stand on God's word. We preach on it. This is where we get our teachings. It's just not like some feel good talk show where we're going to give you some pointers on how to feel better on your own inside. This comes from God. So what we're going to do today, we're going to open God's word. We're going to start in the Old Testament, and then we're going to move predominantly into the New Testament, specifically in John chapter 9. If you want to follow along on an outline and you don't have one with you, the simplest thing, go to YouVersion, that app, click on events and put St. John Mansfield, and it'll open up to you. You'll have all the answers in there as well. So let's get started here. Let's look, where in the world do we get this idea of to represent? Well, it actually starts all the way back in the Old Testament. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 19. I want to read verse 6 and then kind of set it up for you so you get an idea of where we've just dropped into, into the Old Testament. And Exodus 19, 6 says this, you, and this is God speaking to the Israelites, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you, and he's talking to Moses, are to speak to the Israelites. So where do we find them right now? This scripture tells us that it had been three months since they had been taken out of Egypt. So they were slaves for hundreds of years. They get rescued out of Egypt. God rescues them from Pharaoh. He rescues them through the Red Sea. He defeats Pharaoh's army. He drowns them. He provides for them when they start complaining manna from heaven, bread to eat. He actually helps defend them against the Amalekites. He shows that not only am I faithful, but I will fight your enemies. And then in this section, they find themselves at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And they're going to be here for a long time. In fact, the next 57 chapters of the Bible talk about them at Mount Sinai. And how does God begin it? 
by renewing his covenant or promise with them. He says, I'm going to renew my promise with you. We're going to be a team here. And you will be, he says, a kingdom of priests. Some of you are like, does that mean they're all going to wear these black shirts with a plastic little tab? And uh, No, not, not, no. We're not talking about Catholic priests. What we are talking about, they're going to be priests. So what is this? Let me just give you an overview. Old Testament. Not only the Israelites, but a lot of communities in Old Testament times, they would have three categories of leaders. They have prophets, priests, and kings. Now, the prophets are probably what you're thinking. Prophets will speak, say, hey, I got this from God. This is what I'm telling you, and this is what's going to happen. The prophet, okay, they speak on God's behalf. On this side, you have the king, and the king, whether the good king, bad king, king, you name it, kings are there hopefully to protect the, the people, to provide for the people, to tax the people, to take the best of their warriors, you name it. The king does all that stuff. And in the middle, you have the priests or the priesthood. Now, a priest simply does this. A priest represents. It's a representative. And in, in God's language, when he talks about this, a, the priests would represent God's people before him. So on certain occasions throughout the year, they would actually go to God and they would make sacrifices on behalf of the people they represented. What God is saying here is that you, Israel, will be my priests as a group and as individuals, not just between me and you, but before other people. So God's hope when he made this covenant was this. You will be my set-apart holy nation. You will be my priests. And hopefully when you interact with other nations, you will represent me well. How did it go? If you read the Old Testament, it didn't, they, usually, uh, they usually didn't do it that well. It didn't go that well. But God didn't give up, right? God carries this idea into the New Testament. We believe that, that not just Israel is blessed by God, but now we believe that we as Christians through Jesus, are blessed to be God's people. And God continues this thought, this idea of priest and priesthood representative. Listen, a guy named Peter, one of the 12 disciples, followers of Jesus, one of the, one of the 12 apostles, Peter writes this. It sounds very familiar to what we're talking about. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you, and that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So he repeats this. He says, when Jesus comes, the baton is passed to you and you are now part of that priesthood that represents God. God's special possession you are that you may, what? What do you represent? You will declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So he even tells you what you will represent, how you will represent. This is what I want you to do is to be my priests, my representatives, and I want you to declare to people all how good it is that I took you out of darkness into light. I want you to declare to people how I took you out of hopelessness into hope. I want you to show people how when you thought you were totally lost and there was no hope in this part of your life, that all of a sudden light came and it was only because I was with you and I walked uh, this walked through this with you. So, 
if you are that priesthood and you are to represent, how do you do that? Last summer, my wife and my two daughters, we decided to go in the midst of COVID to one of the cleanest places on earth, Universal Orlando. This was an amazing experience. I mean, the cleanest thing, they were spraying everywhere. There were, every bathroom had people in it and just cleaning. I mean, it was wonderful. But we had to get there. And we went through Alabama. I'm not going to tell you where. Anybody roll tide? Nope. Okay. Sorry. Abilene. Probably Texas people here, but Abilene Christian. I'm sorry. I didn't get into that. Okay. Anyway, here we go. Um, I was thinking about y'all last night. So here we go. So we're going through Alabama and you go from Texas to Florida. You get hungry. You have to stop in Alabama to get something to eat. And we're like, COVID, everything's shut down. What are we going to expect? We don't want to waste time going through these towns, you name it. So there in the distance, we saw it, the, something we knew, something that we know, you know, this is the same everywhere, even in China, no matter where you go, the big yellow arches, McDonald's. This was it. It was going to be simple. We were going to go there, get our food and go. We pull up. It's around lunchtime. I had to have mercy because I'm like, oh my, look at all these people. They were backed up into the street in the drive-thru. So we thought, hey, let's put our masks on and go inside and see what's going on. <laughs> so it looked like a tornado went through there. There's tables not just pushed to the side, upside down, yellow tape on them, uh, napkins, ketchup packets all over. You look over the, the counter, you see those, the, the lids all over the place. And, oh my goodness, thought we're just going to order and go. So my wife orders her special. It's that, it's that, I think, number five, two cheeseburgers, a French fry, a drink, and with no cheese. About 20 minutes later, the drinks come out. The girls start drinking, and it's like, it has no name. It's a kamikaze. The drink is nasty. No, you know, uh, so wait in line. I kid you not, it took me 10 minutes just to have the lady replace the drink, right? We're coming up on a half hour. And my wife looks and she's like, hey, there's cheese on this. I don't, you know, that's, okay. Why don't y'all go out? Why don't y'all go out there start enjoying the fries before they get any colder? And I'm going to get these two hamburgers. So 10 minutes later, they come back. Nice warmness. Now look in there. They're cheeseburgers. And here's why I tell you this story. This sales associate was representing McDonald's. Kid you not. She looks at me with all serious. I said, hey, we own a hamburger. And I, she says, McDonald's, McDonald's suggests that you have cheese on your burger. <laughs> I kid you not. And she was all serious. I'm like, what is that? You just don't want to give me hamburgers. So I was like, okay, thank you. I was like, it was nice. And I went out and I told my wife, can you just scrape the cheese off here? Let's go, you know, the cold fries. Now, granted, they were working hard. They had to, this lady was done. Like, you know, she's representing McDonald's. I'm thinking, you're probably like, oh, I would do better. But you know what? We all have those times when we don't represent well. That's not really McDonald's. In fact, uh, I could see right now, like, does anybody here work for McDonald's? Are going to start giving me a call? Anyway, so we all work for somebody and represent somebody. Even if you, let's say, were a babysitter or you mowed lawns, you didn't work for a corporation when you were younger, you represent your family. I would send my kids out and say, when you go mow their lawn, you do this. Remember, you're representing the Perkins household. And you, my friends, every one of you, whether you're just starting out or whether it's been a long time with Jesus, you represent what's called a Christian in Christianity. And I really got to wonder, how's it going? The question would be, what do you represent to this world? It'd be bad. 
could be better. We're going to work on it. Because we get so frustrated sometimes. We lose our cool. We, you know, what, what do we want to post? What do we want to say? How are we going to respond to that person? We so disagree him. It's like, well, hold on a second. We want to represent Jesus. And if you've ever felt yourself struggling with this, hold on, because we have some good news here. There's a simple way. If you, you follow me to the end of this message, there's going to be a simple way for you to represent Jesus exactly the way that he wants you to. He's going to give you all the strength, all the power, all the grace to be able to represent him well. Remember with Jesus, there is forgiveness. There are new starts, and he's going to show us today in the text. So let's start in John chapter 9 here. As he, that's Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, if you're wondering why in the world would they just assume that, in Jesus' day, it was a common assumption that if there was a physical ailment, a problem with somebody, it had to be that either they or their parents had sinned. This is a result of or punishment. Now, we know that sometimes that is the case. Like if someone is born with fetal alcohol syndrome, it's usually because their mom was drinking alcohol while she was pregnant. That is a result of a poor choice of a mom, right? These things happen. Also, just because we live in a broken world that is not perfect, people are born sometimes with with ailments. So they would wonder, is it his parents or is it him? And, And notice, notice the question is, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And the answer Jesus gives is in the next verse. I don't have it printed for you, but I have it up on the screen. Here's what Jesus says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus gives us the answer. Why so many years before did God allow this man to be born blind? Why for so many years, as the scripture tells us, did he have to live a life of being a beggar? Why did he probably have to be ostracized from society? Who knows how his parents treated him because later on they have no spine. They're like, I don't know, ask him. We don't want any part of this. And God tells us, Jesus says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Another way of saying that, so that as as I do work in him, he's going to represent. And he will be able to represent, wow, an amazing, an amazing occurrence. So, after saying this, and here's the this part, Jesus went on to say, hey, uh, I'm the light, I'm the light, and I'm going to, to put light into the world while I'm here. So after saying this, after explaining this, Jesus, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. I have gone on a few prayer retreats to pray over people. I've gone to where tornadoes hit in Oklahoma. We've just prayer walked over people. If you ever go on a prayer walk with me, and you start to spit in mud and put it on somebody's eyes, don't do that. We'll probably get sued. Let me just tell you, 
It may work, but this is one of a variety of ways Jesus healed in the 40 plus miracles as he was healing in the gospels. I think, I love what Jesus, I think why Jesus does this, at least what I could research, a couple reasons. One, why not just keep variety going? If, if there was one formula that Jesus did and you figured, I can get that formula, I'm going to do it and then everybody will be healed. Now, Jesus gave some variety, but, but at, at the time, what he was probably speaking to or alluding to at, Jesus, at the time Jesus walked, there was a thought process that some people's saliva, especially those that were super important, that their saliva had medicinal qualities. So it wouldn't have been all that obscure and like, what in the world is he doing for Jesus to use his saliva, mud, you name it, okay? One of the, one of the thoughts there. And so what does he do? He touches the guys and then he tells them, he says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Why did God do this in this specific way? Why did he help in this specific way? Well, first of all, I love it that he sent him to a pool called Scent. In fact, here's a picture of it right here. It still exists today. We believe this is, this is it. And this is actually fed. The water comes from, the water comes from Hezekiah's spring. Now, back in the days, Hezekiah, amazing feat of engineering, dug this tunnel so that water could come into the city. And so it's actually the water that was sent into the city. So it's the, the, scent, the scent pool, okay? S-E-N-T. And so isn't it cool that the guy, he probably had, for one last time had to make his way to the pool without seeing. Mud is on here, he can't see. He gets there and all of a sudden he washes to the place he was sent. It's called sent. And then he is sent from there seeing so that he could be sent as a representative of what God was doing and did in his life. How beautiful this picture is as an influential representative of Christ. So here's how it turns out. And here's how I think it could really work for you. So we have these Pharisees, these, these legal religious leaders that are all upset with Jesus. And we didn't read all these verses because it's pretty long, but they're all upset with Jesus. Why is he doing this on a Sunday? This is the Sabbath. He's healing. Why is he doing this? And so they challenged the man. Then they bring the man's parents in and said, is this really him? Did this happen? Tell us what's going on. The parents are like, oh, we're, he's a grown man. He can talk for himself. Mm-hmm. And so they come back to him and here's where we pick it up. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him, about Jesus? And so he, the blind man replied, verse 25, whether he is a sinner or not, if Jesus is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Did you catch that? Why did God do it in this specific way? Check this out. He did not know a lot about Jesus. I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know. Keep asking me questions. I don't know, but this is the one thing I know. I was blind and now I can see. How many times have you been nudged by the Holy Spirit to be a representative of Jesus? How many times have you thought, you know what? I want to invite that person to church. How many times have you thought, I, I want to, to tell them about Jesus, but you know what stopped you? 
fear. What if they ask me more than I know about Jesus? I'm not an expert after all. I don't know. I'll be so stumped. I'll be embarrassed. I'm not going to invite them. I'm not going to take them to Bible study. They'll realize how much I don't even know, let alone, oh, I just can't do this. But look at this guy. It didn't stop him. They pressed him. He's like, it's okay to say, I don't know everything about Jesus, but this is what I do know. I'm going to represent well what he has done in my life. And no matter how much you want to disagree with me on the details, you leaders of the law, you cannot change my story. I'm going to represent well what God has done in my life. So the question for you is, how will you represent? Not if, but how will you? Because you will and you do. And I told you I had a treat for you here. This is real simple. This is a very simple way for you to represent. You're going to do just like this guy did. You're going to come up with a story. I don't want you to write this story down. You got to have it on the tip of your tongue. This is an easy story. Think about this. Here's how you're going to make your story right now. Think about all the ways God has done something like this in your life. If you are here today hearing the gospel, the good news for the first time, that Jesus loves you, that he's invited you into the family, that he went to the cross to pay for your sins, that he desires to change your life, that's big. And think of how many of you have been pulled from addictions where you used used to not have any control over how much you drank, what you looked at, how much you ate, you name it, whether you lost your cool, how prideful were you, whether you were a, a habitual liar. Think of the ways that you're not perfect now, but God has brought you from that to this. Do you have that in mind? You've got to have a lot of them. I know you do, or you're just not paying attention to your own life. Take one of them. Take one of them and do this. Answer the first one. What was it like? When I was caught in that sin, that addiction, that problem, when I was caught in that style of life, that part of my life, what was it like? How bad was it? For this guy, it would have been like, I couldn't see. I had to beg. I had no one respected me. It was was a terrible life. Number two, what did Jesus do? Did he spit in your face? Did he make mud? What did Jesus do? How did he change? How did he rescue you from that? And number three, what's it like now? How good is it in that area of your life that God is still working on? What was it like? What happened? What's it like now? What was it like? What happened when Jesus entered? What's it like now? You can use that all day long. You can tell that story all day long. And if you want to be an influencer on this society where people are so off the tracks, you can go back to something solid. They cannot argue your experience. They can't. You can just like this guy stand up and be like, I was blind. I was a beggar. Nobody treated me. You know what? But he loved me. And here's my story. Here's how I represent. We've been using over the past uh, couple weeks, a little tangible asset here to help you remember about your story. It's a domino. And we use it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you saw in the video there that dominoes are used with other dominoes to be effective, right? So when it falls, it actually hits the other one and it influences the other one, if you will, okay? So it's very important. Also, what I kind of like about this is that there's a line and there's usually like two sets of numbers on each side, most of these. And you're doing stuff together. You're in community. It's not like just one set of numbers. They work together to win the game. So if you have this in your pocket, it's just a little tangible reminder, something in there to say, you know what? I am a representative. I influence. I have influence on other people. Whether I like it or not, I do. 
And today, God, help me represent you well. Amen.